0: Welcome into "We Gonna Figure It Out." I'm um, Andrew Morgan. I'm our, Regina Morgan. I should say we are pastors, Andrew and Regina Morgan, right? Yeah, that's what they say. That's what they say. That's what they. You say. don't. You don't feel like after today, which we sat in a, in, in a, like a meeting room for what six hours, four hours, something like that. You mm-hmm. don't feel very pastorish no. after today. No. You should, because that's the only reason why we was there. I know they wasn't just inviting regulars regulars. That's that's what it is. That's really what it is to be a pastor. There's regulars and pastors, right? That's what people think about us, right? So, this week, I was looking through as I uploaded this show, uh, last week's show, I was looking at the factor that we hadn't posted a audio podcast since we went to the love thy neighbor conference
1: mm, that was a long time ago it
0: was and the love thy neighbor was maybe july it was july of 2018. it was june or june of 2018.
1: But the end
0: of june yes the end of june so we didn't really post till i think the beginning of july like giving an update about what we did with the love thy neighbor conference right now we never did any of the other ones this was a it really wasn't conference we put conference it was a revival that uh, now that we know more information about it it's like wow we should have known that <laughs> you know before yes. we participated but so much actually has happened that stimulated from our obedience from going to that particular event
1: yes it, i think that is where kind of everything uh pastorally jumped off for yeah. us
0: it was a turning point because to be honest that's one of those things where it's so funny how you could talk about sometimes individuals can like you can wake up and you can be rude by your emotions And how you feel in that day and how you feel about that, like what's going on. And you could be triggered into this place of just being like, well, I'm tired today. I just want to chill. Yeah. And just wanting to chill could cause you to just miss out on a series of events that could be catastrophic. You know what I'm saying? Like, and Or life
1: changing. Like, yeah, Yeah. like
0: we, we could have just chilled out that day and did nothing. And a whole lot of things would have missed. So for me, we met sarah ramey there yes uh you got a chance to sit down have a a conversation with her and as you conversed with her you revealed to her that i do podcasts and Mm -hmm. from you revealing that that was able for me to you know i was able to start a partnership with her in portland seminary and although she's not in that position anymore i still have that uh partnership that's right and you know and for a small you know little startup like i like we have to have a client like portland seminary of george fox university the wind's just going to blow like crazy right now just because we just started. Can you close that door? Yeah, I got you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so like that was a huge thing that kind of took place with me being able to hop into the situation and say, um, yeah, sure. I'll take on this podcast. And then from there I was able to take on another podcast and another one, you know, and things just kind of just rolled downhill. Um, We also met Leroy Barber who was putting together this uh, thing for the United Methodist, we had no clue. Right. And really when we met him, it wasn't that big of a deal. He kind of, um, because he's a very busy guy, Mm -hmm. it was kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met you, you know, but and and it's not to say, I'm not saying that in a bad way, way, but but it was was just,
1: that was just a meeting that we didn't know what it would turn into. You know, we had no expectations basically of what meeting him would, would, would be.
0: Yeah. So from there, man, that was uh, we with meeting him. He's the one who walked us into this situation where one, he he brought me in to do a podcast for him called The Sit-Up Podcast. Right.
1: And then the funny thing about that is his wife reached out to me because I had done someone else's hair that she knows. Mm-hmm. And so it was a separate meeting of her of his wife. And um she had no idea that we had already met her husband.
0: Yeah, And didn't you do Michelle's hair who performed at?
1: That conference,
0: that same, that same event.
1: And that is how uh, Michelle was the connection to Donna.
0: Right. So, so so many things came from that, Mm -hmm. uh, from there. And I think um, the most overshadowing thing, which is kind of separate from all those exciting connections. uh, One of the things that was the most tragic that came from that event, because there was a tragic side, was that was the day that Jason Washington was killed by PSU police. Yes. And we really had to sit with that pain at that time. And that was a unique space to be in. Um, it was. And to process that. Th- so the weeks after that was, a, it was a lot for us to process. And I believe Absolutely. we talked a little bit about that. And um, I think
1: I even had a moment um, publicly where I shared, you know, just the raw emotions and things that I felt after the fact when there was no justice yeah. served for his death.
0: Yeah. So, so many things came from that weekend and from that week, but it led us up to the place where we are uh, now pastors at Park Rose United Methodist. Um, Before we kind of get into the meat of what we, what we're going to always come and talk about every week, and that's really like around what we're figuring out as being pastors. um, How did you feel about the appointment process? Like, because we are not United Methodist. Right. And that's a unique factor. So not church life, but taking us all the way back to being asked to join in with the United Methodist. What were your thoughts?
1: I thought the beginning process was okay. I liked um, that we did a peer um, survey to learn what our strengths were and things like that. I thought the the panel uh, interviews were good I think for me, it's just kind of when we got into the the portion of being assigned, that's kind of where things became a little bit more confusing to me.
0: So did you know what a United Methodist, like, did you know anything about the United Methodist Conference? No, not at all. Still do? Still don't? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> But um, I think they're still figuring that out too. Right. Uh, I think for me, I was aware of some of the headlines. Yes, um, yeah, and being around a lot of Southern Baptist people, I'd heard bad things. I, I've heard people badmouth them, you mm-hmm. know. But on the same token, to be fair, I hear Baptists badmouth Baptists too. Like there's right. Baptist jokes, but typically, uh, United Methodist had been known for the the reputation I knew of United Methodist was um, the gay church. Right. Like that was that was my because people. You know, whether people like that in language or not, I hope you hear my heart on when I'm saying that. But the truth of the matter is people categorize things. There's mm-hmm. the gay church. There's the black church. There's the, uh, you know, the charismatic church. That's when it's, you know, when it's not a black church, but it's a white church that believes in some of the things that, you know, black right. churches believe in. And right. So, you know, like everybody, they peg people into these places according to their denominational you beliefs. You got the contemporary
1: church, you know, yeah. <laughs> all these things. Um, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I I didn't know much. I did hear the headlines, but when I think about it, um, church is just getting a bad rap all the way around.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think that the denominational divisions is one of the reasons that the millennial generation has not reached out to the church for that space. And it is very difficult for the church to reach into and be invited into that generation's life.
1: Well, I think they can see the confusion and who wants yeah. to be a part of confusion and chaos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. There, there isn't, you know, what's, what's really funny is I, I do have to say this because it's not all on Judeo. Christ, like it's not all on us, like Orthodox Christians or Christians in general. It's not on us. Mm-hmm. They're starting to see these same things globally. Out of other religious sectors, too.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. Even though they may be more
0: tight-lipped, I think you're starting to see more children uh, out of Muslim families, you know, tend to want to be neutral to things, too. Yeah. Now, this is just what I'm saying for my limited scope of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm not. So I I don't know this to be a 100% truth, but there is. It's just through uh, observation. Yeah. And through, you know, you read articles here and there and you see, you know, like when you read someone's missionary you know, missionary going out and they're reading their statements and they're telling you what's going on in those countries. You see it and you say, okay, maybe this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I I just wanted to take us back to that process because some people could ask, and I know a lot of people were curious, what was that process like for us Mm -hmm. when it boiled down to it? Because truthfully, and we'll have a special time to really unpack all of this, but I think one of the biggest questions that we had to sit with Was the open LGBTQIA policies, Mm -hmm. so to speak, of of the United Methodist. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really know how to process. Because as far as the West Coast is concerned, where we live, it's open and inclusive. Right. As far as the denomination in general, it's a no-no.
1: Right. Or it's a split thing. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. And so for us we really didn't know what to think. And I know personally had grown up in the church and being told my whole life yeah. that something is wrong mm-hmm. and that this is not of God and this is, and you're going to go to hell yeah. and all these things have been thrown at me. I think I never, I had made it all the way into this point in my life and I never had to sit because the privilege of distance was there. Yes. I never had to sit with this question. And I think the majority of Christians don't have to sit with it because we're told how to feel about it, when to feel about it and what to say about it.
1: Yeah. But we're not getting down and dirty with God yeah. about how, how do we navigate this? Yeah. Because these are your people too, you yeah. know, and, mm-hmm. um, How do we, how do we learn to be accepting? How do we learn to see them with your eyes?
0: Yeah. So it became, yeah. So the privilege of distance for us, uh, in, in many ways really was just taken away by this move and other factors that we just, like I said, we'll have more shows in depth about going through and walking through that process. Mm -hmm. But that was one of our biggest things to weigh, to weigh, uh, because being, being truthful. And, and it's funny how this worked out. When we talk about that time frame, when your circle, so to speak, that you think you have, and that's why I say so to speak, mm-hmm. the people that you rely on as spiritual leaders, the people you admire, these are all the people who've always told you, you should be on this side of the fence and mm-hmm. this side of the fence only. Right. When those, you don't want to disappoint those people. You're already in an isolated place when you move 2000 miles away. Right. And so it's a scary thing to step out on a limb and say, you know, my gut instinct is telling me this. Mm-hmm. And then you pray and you discern and you be like, and God is confirming this yeah. within me. Mm-hmm. You know, you then sometimes because of the stance that you've seen other people take, you know, you could become an enemy of someone who was your friend. Oh yeah. Or they're going to disagree with you and bad mouth you and you don't, and the vitriol that you see through social media, Mm -hmm. like if you stand up for social justice, all of your kids for me. Right. And I, and I can say you for us, right. The biggest fear that we go through most of the time is our white conservative friends speaking out in anger to us or lashing out against us. Yeah. And sometimes our black conservative friends, too. Right. Lashing out at us when we choose to stand up for the social injustices that we see. Yeah. And it became a thing of hesitation. Like we're not fearful people, but that does pump fear through your heart. When you're thinking about some of your most intimate circles, some of the people you're used to relying on, Mm -hmm. people who've supported you and loved you. And then if you come out and say, you know what? I don't think God feels this like it's not even I think like I'm looking at this scripture. I'm talking to God. I know that the way that this message has been been conveyed over the years is wrong. Yeah. God does not feel this way. Right. Not the way that you're saying it. Now, yes. God's truth is still real. Yes. But the extra you put on it, that's you. Yeah. And then let's take away LGBTQIA issues because mm-hmm. people can love to argue scripture on that one. I'm not talking about that one. Right. I'm talking social justice issues. I'm talking black men and women being shot in the streets by police. Yeah. I'm talking um, people not
1: Tatiana Jefferson. Like, I mean,
0: all these type of things. It's hard to post something when you know that you're going to have this person who's going to be like, well, that was this and that was that." And, you know, me justifying. Yeah. There's always a justification for my black life not mattering. Yeah. And and I think there is that lack of unity sometimes in society where people don't even understand. How do we get to a space? Yeah. Where you can mention, you know, if you mention Eric Gardner and I say my life matters in relation to his life. Mm-hmm. If I, if you talk about Jason Washington, I talk about him like he's me. Yeah. And people don't understand that that bond because you un you know that we are being hunted and killed. Yeah. You know that we are suffering these injustices and we cry at night. We wake up frustrated. We cry when we see these lives. We worry about
1: our black sons. I mean, you know, it's
0: our, we, the privilege of distance is never, we were born with distance in our lap. We've never had a privilege to distance ourselves from it. Right. We had the illusion of distance when we were in conservative circles, because as long as we said, Jesus is this way and Jesus is that way then we could feel safe. Yeah. And that was the, I think that's the big difference for me when it comes to church circles, so Mm -hmm. to speak, I won't even put the word spiritual on it because Mm -hmm. I don't think it's really real in that realm. Mm -hmm. Fleshly is the, you know, in the natural is what I would like to say, like for what we experience with working with one another and like, when dominant culture's context overtakes your context and you lose your identity, yeah, sometimes it can snatch you before you can even find out who you are,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and you think that you're That's supposed true. to be corporate your whole life. Mm-hmm. you think but we're net na- you find out, oh crap, I'm naturally an entrepreneur. Yes, But as long as we were locked into the Midwest and, and we took on the Midwest values, you can't see we past were work- that. Yeah, we were workers. That was it. We right. were just worker ants. That's all we were ever supposed to be. But the truth of the matter is, it's the furthest from the reality.
1: Yeah. I, you know what? That is that is so such a true statement. I didn't even see past working for a corporate company. And doing something on my own, I could not even vision that for myself until those things were stripped away. Yeah. And I had to learn to lean on God for what is next and what my true purpose is and what he's called me to do. And it's so totally different from what I was doing. Now, the beautiful thing about it is all things work together for the good. Right. 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 Because those things that I learned in the corporate world have overlapped and it has brought great success with being an entrepreneur because of the people side of things. And what I'm learning is a lot of people know how to run businesses, but they don't know the people etiquette side. Yeah. And so those things help me to stand out a little bit more, um, in the professional realm of running a business because I do have the, the personal side of things.
0: So I think one of the important factors and you're going to hear me talk about this and say this a lot because I truly honestly believe this social equity is the future. And what I mean by that is companies and on an individual personal level, the amount of equity that you have within a a society, a community, how you invest into it, how you allow other people and empower other people. All these different things that we do within uh, our circles and our communities is going to become so important. And what that means is as finance starts to shift a certain direction, as ministries start to shift a certain direction, as everything goes, once the current systems begin to erode, which I believe they are, Mm -hmm. I don't believe that we're going to stay locked into a patriarchal system where only white men get privilege. I think as we start to see more women rise in power Mm -hmm. and women of color rise in power, it is so important for us at this level that we are to be voices and to be loud voices, Mm -hmm. to be voices that will actually be heard and will be heard in a way that will inspire, but also firmly and authoritatively give direction for the future. Yeah. Because the future is not going to be something that is dictated by one particular group. And if diversity and inclusion and intersectionality become real actual terms mm-hmm. and not just terms that some people use in order to get their way, mm. I believe that those are terms that when you break those terms down, these are terms that Jesus died for. Yeah, I believe that these are things that Jesus died for. Like he actually came so that each one of us can get a chance to have our voice heard. He came for the marginalized. No, I was going to say he the came. marginalized. Yeah. yeah. And, and
1: the and, last shall be first and the first shall yeah. be last. I mean, it makes you think think of those things, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think is what, what I do want to say though, is I felt like, we were kind of thrust into this culture. We wouldn't have chose it. No, because nah. this isn't from now. It, we've been here two years. Yeah. So two years ago, these are not the conversations. You're not talking about intersectionality. You're just scratching the surface a little bit of inclusion and diversity. Yeah. Back where we're back in Oklahoma.
0: Right. It, it's a cool. Yeah. It was a, it was a key word to say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and like in my in my corporate setting, they were starting to do the work of those things. They were doing these um, things to um, include LBG two in the corporate setting. They were doing things to include Native Americans and 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 Mexican Americans and well, like Latinx and all of those things, right? Yeah. But it was just barely surface level. You get out here, and while they're slower on the on one side of things. They're light years ahead of back home yeah. when it comes and, and being thrust into that culture and learning pronouns and learning um, um, how to um, identify people who are non-binary and, you know, all these different gender terms and all of these things, that was something that we really had to be intentional about
0: learning. And we're still learning it. You, you know, I, I think that's where I always correlate where money and meaning kind of trace with each other. Mm-hmm. So like these deeper seated things, like you're talking gender fluidity and money mm-hmm. and they're always going to be like, You're going to start to see these type of things go hand in hand because you're going to, in order to fuel the next generation. See, the truth of the matter is, and and we mentioned this last week, and I'm going to say it again. Me and you are the first generation in our family to be born outside of segregation. Correct. So the natural progression is so far in order to, we're in the workforce
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we still were okay. Even though we gave, our generation gave slight pushback. We leaned on it. But systems of white supremacy still were in place and it was and it was strategic because you just couldn't collapse the structure. Yeah. So we still lived under a lot of that tyranny, mm-hmm. a lot of those things. However, I believe this next generation can't exist under those same systems because they don't know anything about it. They exactly. don't know what it's like to be, okay, the idea that slavery existed, they're not dismissive of it. They know it, but they're like, it's so far it's removed. It's so far removed, so, exactly. Exactly. Now and it's like, okay, Jim Crow, so far removed. Mm-hmm. Braden's concept of Jim Crow is no different than our concept of slavery. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, which these are good things. But what this means is in order to get your best and brightest minds, which means in order for you to get the top dollar, you're gonna have to your business is gonna have to go hand in hand with intersectionality. Mm-hmm. And that means it is your business models change because now you're saying, okay. I'm actually going to figure a way to generate more dollars in a different space in order to get money. Now that's a different that's a whole different subject that
1: But it goes back into now you're going to have to learn a different a, a new way to love
0: yeah. Right. That, I mean, that's what that that's, means for the church. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you got to mm-hmm. dive
1: deeper into, into loving everyone. And when you think about it, God doesn't put stipulations on how to love. He just says, love, all, love your neighbor as you love mm-hmm. yourself. You know, it is, there's yeah. no, there's no stipulations there. And so it, it it's a beautiful thing to see that God's word doesn't lie and it doesn't change. Right. Yeah. But it challenges us to say, oh, we've been putting stipulations on this. We've been putting you know, these barriers and these, these, these blocks and everything and obstacles in the way so that we don't love deeper and new and, you know, and and finding new ways to delve into those things.
0: So the hope for us is that as we forge forward, um, and you know, as we kind of close out this part of our conversation, as we forge forward, the hope for the church and our involvement with the church, and this is what made our decision for joining the United Methodist group not as United Methodist members Mm -hmm. of the denomination, because we're non-denominational in our belief system now. Yeah. And we'll have a show that will explain that. We're going to have a show that explain that. We'll go into the details about denominational talk. We'll also have a show about, pronouns and gender fluidity mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we've had our struggles with it we have. and we don't want to sit here like and not explain to you what the struggles are
1: mm-hmm. and so
0: we're going to line up some guests and some different people to talk to us about these things because part of we going to figure it out is unlocking the piece of i've got questions yeah because i'm still figuring it out exactly and people who have journeyed along the side with us and people who we want to journey alongside with us, we want to get on this show and we're going to talk. So it won't always just be the two of us. Right. Um, so we will journey deeper into some of those topics. But as far as uh, this this subject matter, this is the way we see this opportunity to love. Yes. And the way that we process joining in in our partnership, just in case someone ever wondered, well, what would make them kind of go away from some of those more conservative evangelical roots that they have. Mm -hmm. It's not that we've gone away from them because there's a truth. Like you said earlier, you had said um, that, you know, that like it's good. Well, you didn't say this exactly, but you, you alluded to the fact that it's like all of those things happen for a reason. Yeah. Like it's good that we have those roots. Mm hmm. And, in in, 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 you know, when we're conversing with individuals out here, their lack of knowledge of Southern culture
1: mm-hmm.
0: and conservatives, uh, like being conservative in evangelical circles, there's a lack of knowledge. Just the same way we came with a lack of knowledge of church culture here. Mm-hmm. And it's good that we have both because we have that gives us that uh uh, that balance. Yeah, I was gonna say bipolar. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it is a bipolar hour per, per like, bipolarity. There we go. Because you know, we we can speak from both sides of our mind on this thing. Mm-hmm. Like we can come and and there is a conservative nature to us. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people listening could say, yeah, I don't sound very conservative now, but trust me, there's a conservative side to us, but there's also a very uh liberal, what some would say is a liberal-minded side. But here's the thing: I think we got to some of these what people would harshly judge us as liberal minded. We got to it in a very conservative way. Yeah. We let God lead us to what the truth of what he says is. And the important part is we shut the heck up and let God speak when it was time for him to speak. Yeah. We Lord, I'm confused about this. Mm -hmm. How do I get past my thoughts in my mind on this? Yeah. And then you speak. Yes. You know, the, the simple obedience of just going through a season where it's like, God, you speak. Mm-hmm. And that means when you when you it's time to pay attention to when God speaks, you cut Facebook off, you mm. cut off TV, you cut off all the things, the sources that feed you. So whether you're an NPR, CNN person or a Fox News, MSNBC person, yeah. you stop letting those things speak to you for a minute. You stop letting focus on the family speak to you for a second. Yeah. On the same token, you stop letting, you know, whatever the equivalent is on on this side. You shut off all those things and you just say, "Okay, Lord, you speak. Mm -hmm. And I know God can speak through those sources that I just named. But on the same token. So far, the track history has led us to division. So some of those dividing things, it's time to just say even the music we listen to.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes you just got to hit the reset button and say, "Okay, Lord. What's next? Yeah. And I think that's what we had to do in that time and that phase in our life. Um, so this this conversation just kind of flowed real quickly.
1: It did. It
0: did. <laughs> but let, let's get into over the next 10 minutes or so. Let's kind of just get into what we come to do. Like we love to talk about like what we're figuring out. Yeah. And so we like to, I won't say we, yeah, I guess we can just say I, we like to call this segment what we figured out. Now, <laughs> <laughs> So last week you preached. Yes. And, um, it was really, really good. I liked, uh, you know, I liked it, but I really liked how you described to me. Cause I was out of town all week. Mm-hmm. I like how you described to me the process of how you got to that message. Can you share that with everyone?
1: So I preached on Esther chapter four. Um, and this is the point where Esther has to come to some, some, some difficult uh, decisions that she has to make where it, it could cost her her life um, where she's helping her um, Jewish community uh, from, from being killed, you know, essentially being annihilated and everything. And so um, it was tough last week just because I'm here holding down the fort and Andrew's out of town. And so it's Braden and I are here and I still have hair and all of those things to do. I still have church things to do. So in the middle of those processes, I'm trying to write the sermon and, and all of those things. And, um, I, I don't remember what I told you though.
0: Well, you were telling me you was like, so when I left Monday, mm-hmm. you were like, you know, you, you seem like you felt good about it.
1: Yes. And then
0: I talked to you Tuesday and you were like, I don't feel good about yeah. it. And then Wednesday, I don't feel so. From my okay. perspective, it sounded like you talked yourself out of feeling good about it. Well,
1: like, so here's the thing. I felt like, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like I had such a strong message to um, share or to deliver that I felt like every time I got to a good place with it and I was sitting there and I was in it and I was doing my work with God through it, I felt like. Anytime I had to break away and do something different then the enemy came in and tried to make me feel like this is not a good message. They're not going to receive this. How is this? How is this going to be a message that is meant for today? You know, and I titled the sermon and I knew what it was titled early on such a time as this you know, and everything like that. And that comes directly from the scripture. Such a time as this. And so, okay, I'm like, okay, that's perfect. You know, I'm thinking I got a strong message here. I felt like the Lord was leading me in this way where it was going to be beneficial to some of the things that the United Methodist Church is going through. But every time I had to break away and either do hair or cook dinner or do something with braiding or whatever, go to counseling, whatever those things held for the week, I felt like, this isn't good. I don't have it. What am I going to say? How am I going to, and it just, it just felt like, but but the, the funny thing is I knew that I was being attacked by the enemy because I knew that as I was talking about the sermon and I was, I was sharing those things with um, clients and with people that I was talking yeah. to on the phone, it was coming together. But like I said, anytime I had to break away from it, that, anxiety and that doubt and that fear came in, which is kind of funny because in the, in the passage of scripture, Esther had the doubt and the fear. And so it was almost like the message was still speaking to me too, but I had to keep reading it over and over and over again. I had to, um you know, write down things. I had to wake up in the middle of the night when something was deposited into me to get it, it get it out. But when the day came, that, that fear and that doubt kind of came in again. And I was just like, all right, Lord,
0: I'm not going to go without you going with me. So let me ask you something, because you use some languages that, that in, in your explanation that some people may not be familiar with. Okay. You said the enemy is coming. What do you mean when you say the enemy was attacking you?
1: So I, I, I feel like when I, when I say that, I mean, we can, we can know exactly what we're supposed to be doing, we can know exactly what you know the direction that we're supposed to go the path that we're supposed to be following but I feel like the enemy comes in and when I say the enemy I mean the the devil
0: that's what I was asking I was just asking that like some people may be confused when you say the enemy okay the as devil. To like so you're saying the devil because, the devil and, and that's that's all I've you know what I'm saying because some people that's new language to them okay. Because I've I've been in some really progressive circles where it's not taught, and that that comes from our church roots, mm. especially Black church roots. Okay, we say that, right. and I'm finding around some of my new progressive white you know counterparts that they're like, now what, what what's this, and they don't mm. you know, and that's why I was I like, I haven't
1: encountered that yet. Yeah,
0: and I think someone asked me, and they weren't challenging me on it because they were like.
1: Just getting, just gaining the knowledge. They were just gaining just,
0: the knowledge, and I and I had to explain to him. I said, and it's not always prefer. I mean, like for me, it's not when I say it, you hear me say it, It's not always the devil. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could the, be
1: your own thoughts. The, yeah, your own, it's usually
0: my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of of holiness. It's the opposite of God's plan. It's whatever is standing up, trying to stand up against the will of God. Whatever obstacle is blocking. And yeah, and so for me, like, I just wanted you to stop and explain that real quick. Oh, got you. Okay. uh, I thought you were, okay. So you had this message that said, you know, for such a time as this, Mm -hmm. and you know what's brilliant about it, that I really liked it because this is where you surprised me. You got very specific during the message. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And you said that, like, let's talk about the United Methodists And what's happening right now. Yeah. And you reassure them that not only you as a pastor are here right now for such a time as this, but you reassure them that they themselves are here and planted in the space that they're in for such a time as this. Right. And that type of reassurance was one that I was like, okay, I didn't even think you were gonna come at that angle because it's such a direct thing. Yeah. And I think part of me still views. your process mm-hmm. of going through teaching and preaching on that level of, I'm going to keep it safe and get in and out. Yeah. And so when you step out on a limb and you say, no, I'm going to get an actual personal business. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh oh, you know, like, where's that right. going?
1: But, so, but But remember, I was telling you, I was like, God totally switched it up on me. Yeah. Because I, I was preparing in that way, but it was like, no, this is the perfect opportunity. These things are coming up in the conference and why wait, why continue to hold right. off on, on um, addressing these things? Because this fear is in the back of the, in the back of our congregants minds. They know what's, what's to come. They follow the the news and the the information that's coming down. They know. So why not start addressing and reassuring and reminding them that God is still on the throne, right? Right. I mean, he knew that these things were gonna come and I thought that Esther's story was just perfect to you know, line it up with that. Yeah. But what I did alert them of is that you're gonna have to come to these these places of you may lose some friendships behind this. You may yeah. I mean you what are you willing to risk here? You know what I mean? It's it's time to really get deep down with it.
0: Yeah. Did that personally resonate with you when you realized you had to convey the message that when you're here for such a time as this, there's a risk? Yes. Yeah. That. that I yeah. mean, and,
1: and, and I think about it, too. And that's why I think I put the, the, the example of us moving here to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. You know what I mean? We didn't know what it was that we were coming out here to do. We just know. That God said it's time to go. But if we were to stay and and not move, which is the same as being silent and not saying something, then we miss out on being a part of the 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 testimony of God and what he's doing. Yeah. Right. And so I think, yeah. The risk is there. You know, yeah. we took a big risk. I mean, we even ta- we even took a risk with starting new businesses and stuff, which is always a risk to start businesses. Yeah. But
0: I, yeah. And you lose something personal. I think for us, it, it goes back to one of the points that we started off making. And I know we, we kind of rabbit trailed for a minute earlier. But that was one of the points I started off making was the factor that we had conservative groups of friends and circles that we ultimately stopped hearing from. Yeah. there were people who would like frequently be like hey man pray for me I'll be praying for you and you know when you get the weekly the monthly phone like the weekly phone calls go to monthly phone calls to the occasional yeah and then like when we had to do the fundraiser there were people who were like yo we gonna give you this we're gonna do that and I think there's part of us being busy trying to figure out the financial deficit we were in yeah that caused us to not be able to update people as much and that's Poor planning. That's one of, another show we gonna do yeah. because we have to learn. We we are still learning how to keep up with these kind of things. Yes. Um, but I do feel like the cheese stands alone, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. that's the friendly way of saying it. But there's some moments where I'm just like, "Yo, it's just us. It's just us." I feel like, and it's with the exception of
1: maybe a couple.
0: Yeah. That I mean. Sh- Getting people on the phone is hard. Mm -hmm. Like there's a handful of people that I just was like, all right, they're never get, I'm never getting on the phone with them again. Yeah. And it's crazy because these were people who consistently affirmed the work that I was doing. Yeah. But then once they couldn't affirm my work, Mm -hmm. there was no friendship. There was no relational factor. And I think that changed my scope. And we're going to, I, I don't know. I'm not going to extend this talk too long. Yeah. But that extend, I mean, that changed my scope and what I began to change. Like I had to change the value system of friendship circles Mm -hmm. because if I'm looking like, I can't just stop at, Oh, this person affirms the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that being the, that couldn't be, that could no longer be a pre-qualifier for friendship Yeah, Yeah. because anybody can affirm the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's the people that can stand in place with you, as you're figuring figuring it it out out. yeah Yeah. and when you look up and it's like i I bet like i mean i know it's a gang of people who i may be feeling some kind of way about unfairly yeah and when i look at it with a more mature scope Mm -hmm. i know it's some people i feel some kind of way about and i feel abandoned by emotionally spiritually and all these other things that probably just figure if anybody gonna figure it out they will because we spent a lot of time being affirmed, and we've said that. Like, people have always believed in us mm-hmm. on a deeper level, and they've believed in God in us mm-hmm. when they couldn't believe in us. Right. So, sometimes people aren't motivated. They're not, it's not even so much that they're apathetic about their relationship with you. Sometimes people aren't motivated to meet you on your level. Yeah. And it's no offense to you. And yeah, you may feel abandoned, but they may just be like, yo, I'm not. I don't fly that high. Yeah. I don't swim that deep. Yeah. Like, yo, when you on the surface, we'll be good. I'm
1: right there with you. I'll but, be there
0: with you. But once yeah. you start deep diving and, or flying real high, that air thin up there, man. The pressure is too deep down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And that's who we are. Yeah. You know, and I think so. I, I had to, like, take a mature look at it and step back and just say, okay. Sometimes,
1: you know, people are meant for just a season. You know, and that, that, and it's nothing personal, but that, that, that's why we can't look at things on a personal level. You have to say, thank you, Lord, for the time that these people were with us and the things that they brought to, to us and to the table for the time that we had him, you know, and, and, and still continue to love those people. But, you know, relationships and things change. Sometimes it's, they, like I said, it's that. Sometimes things are for a season.
0: Yeah. And our season for this episode is up, so to speak. <laughs> uh, we went about 10 minutes more. We, we normally want to do anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes. We're about okay. 40-something minutes now. But, like, here's the thing. The conversation got good, and I wanted to, you know, and we don't we don't edit. Like, we keep it, and we just give it to you. Right. And so I just want to say thank you for listening. We yeah. are back doing this. Uh, we're purposing our life uh, to get this podcast out. Uh, it's a big part of the process of what we're doing that you're going to see more and more things revealed. It's a big part of our innovation and vitality piece um, and us explaining who we are, what we're doing and, and what innovation actually looks like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and we're as we figure yeah, it out, <laughs> as we figure it out. So we are grateful that, you know, groups like the United Methodists uh, have come in and help us out with innovation and vitality. We're grateful to the people at Park Rose for, you know, figuring out things with us. And yes. we're also grateful for all of the people from our past, from Oklahoma yeah. and the people who actually have propped us up when we when we were weak. Yes. Um, when we couldn't do some things. And so now we're here. We're figuring it out together and we want you guys to join us on a ride. And one of the best things you can do is share this podcast with other people. Tell them to be patient and just be like, hey, man, listen, yeah, these two you know, are people that you want to invest in, you want to be a part of their life, you want to be a part of the structure of what they're doing. And uh, we'll figure it out together, man. We love you guys.
1: Yes. And there's nothing you can do about it.
0: All right. (laughs) We'll see you next week.